Esther Nicholson, who is our next guest. She's a renowned vocalist, former addict, and now she's a teacher and author. And and she's uh, going to present her new book called Soul Recovery, 12 Keys to Healing Addiction. And it's soon to be released by Agape Media and Hay House on June 7th, 2013, which is just around the corner. Mm. Soul Recovery is a process that uh, uh, Esther Nicholson's developed to heal herself of cocaine addiction. Unifying the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous with metaphysical principles and practices it has guided thousands of people to their recovery and highest potential. You are now listening to the Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Paula, this is so powerful to have Esther with us today. I viewed her on the website, and it's just, wow, chi ran up and down my body. Now, okay, in in a 12-week process of study and practice, Soul Recovery shares the stories, inspirations, and the 12 keys to Esther's unlikely and transformative journey from addiction and domestic violence to healing, serenity, and success. In the process, the book challenges the recovery community to a profound re-examination of how addiction and dependence can be managed and ultimately healed. This is the very first book that gives addictive individuals of all types a profound spiritual, non-religious experience, creating a framework that supports sobriety and wholeness. Esther's life certainly has been fully packed with the ahas I bet she never expected. I can hardly wait to hear what some of them were. Well, uh, and... It was through Esther's 12 Keys of Soul Recovery that enabled her to emerge and thrive as a celebrated vocalist for Rod Stewart, Bette Midler, Faith Hill, Beyonce, and Barbara Streisand. Takes the stage at Madison Square Garden and appears. she appeared on Good Morning America, Oprah, Ellen. And now she has unveiled a gift of her international speaker. She's been an international keynote speaker, renowned spiritual teacher, and addiction counselor. She has so many gifts to offer so many people. This is such a huge undertaking, and I hope this is Esther that's with us. But Esther, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hi. Oh, I, I was guessing because of the area code that was you. Uh, it, it's... <laughs> you've taken it's taken so much courage I'm sure to do everything you've done I mean it's unbelievable and uh, we thank you it's a gift to us and to our listeners to have you with us today well Absolutely. it is such a pleasure to be here and I, I am honored to 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 share this work and, and, and to express um, my gratitude and my faith in, in this process um but but more, you know, my faith in, in that power that is within all of us that makes this possible. Well, I'm sure that almost everyone that's listening has either had an addiction themselves or have been touched by a friend or a family member. So, I mean, this is something that needs to be uh, 
told about and to help because there's so much of it's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and even those that are listening to the show today that um that have have not had uh experience with substance abuse or substance addiction and even if you don't know someone in your life that that has been addicted to, you know, drugs and alcohol, you know, this book, 12 Keys to Freedom, uh, uh 12 Keys to Healing Addiction, you know, the drop line says, you know, 12 steps for the rest of us as well. So if you can't relate to being addicted to drugs and alcohol or dependent on drugs and alcohol, I know that you can relate to being dependent and addicted to other things external to yourself or you can relate to being addicted to your emotional makeup, you know, to to the to wanting approval to the point, you know, that that you can't that you're frozen, you know, or being, you know, addicted to fear and worry and doubt or being addicted to, you know, work workaholism or, or whatever or feelings of, of low self worth. So and that is the beginning of any kind of addiction anyway. So even if, if that addiction has even if, if those core wounds um or the, or those ways of being have not manifested in drug addiction, everyone can relate to that. I know some people that are addicted to drama. To drama, to their stories? Yes. I mean, you know, like, just feeling bad. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know, so it's like we really want to expand um, the audience that picks up this book and, you know, don't be put off by 12 Keys to Healing Addiction because addiction is simply when you have lost the ability to choose, when you have lost the power to choose. Well, how many people who've never picked up a drink or alcohol have lost the ability to choose whether or not you're going to return to that same unhealthy relationship? You know, or have lost the ability to choose even your next thought, or if you're going to feel good or bad in the next five minutes. So, you know, we want everyone to benefit from these twelve keys because they they have been designed for everyone. You know, what a powerful um, stance that you have at this point, being able to feel the ability to to grasp what you needed to grasp to be able to share what you've been able to share. And your book, Soul Recovery, um, yeah. that alone is, you know, that, that title is so powerful. And maybe describe what what is soul recovery, you know. what, what I love that title so much because it was truly, you know, an intuitive hit, you know, something that just came through me and when it came through me, I'm like that's the title, soul recovery, um, because soul soul recovery is not so much about about recovering from something. It's about recovering the real something, the recovery of your soul, because your soul has never been hurt, harmed, or endangered. Your soul has never been insane. Your soul has never been addicted. Your soul is love and whole, perfect, and complete. So when you recover your soul, which which is an inherent part of you, it is who you are, it is your true identity, and when you reconnect to that part of yourself, then addictions or dependencies or unhealthy behavior or you know unbalanced emotions must dissolve and come into alignment with wholeness in light of that because your soul is the truth of who you are. 
recapturing that energy that you know what it feels like. <laughs> that, that is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. I mean, just, just what you just now said says it all. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Rebirthing a new life, you know. That's right. Not only in yourself, but for thousands of others as well. This is like, ah, what a gift. <laughs> now, give another, you know. Can you start from the beginning and uh, tell our listening audience um, a little bit about your history and, and how yeah. you've developed to where you are now? Yeah. Um, before I became addicted to the symptom of drugs and al- drugs and alcoholism, I was addicted to a hundred forms of fear. You know that they talk about in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know when when I when I finally did start to recover and I and I looked back on my history, I was like, wow, I can't remember a time, even when I was a little girl, that I wasn't afraid. That I wasn't afraid that I didn't belong. That I wasn't afraid that I wasn't loved or wanted, or you know I wasn't afraid of what you thought of me. I wasn't afraid of not getting your approval. You know, so that was my first addiction is please want me, please love me, please tell me that I'm enough. And and the cause of that was, you know, a a a disconnection in consciousness from my soul, from the truth of who I was. And, you know, I talk about in the book, I know that I was not created that way. I was not created an addict, and I was not created in a place of fear. I was created from a place of wholeness and love. But I was born into dysfunction. I was born into addiction. I was born into um, a way of being that taught me how to be afraid, that taught me how to feel unworthy and not enough. And there came a time, you know, in my life you know, once I got to um, to junior high school, and I, you know, was one of those kids that you know was always picked on, and you know, you know, was was kind of excluded from from everything, and the last one picked on the volleyball team, and you know, all of that. So it's it's, it's like that belief that I had always manifested as as an experience. And, you know, based on the law of attraction, that was perfect. But as a kid, you don't know that. You don't know that what you believe you must experience and, and you must manifest. So um, my addiction to drugs, you know, came by way of, of you know, some kids saying to me, Esther, do you want to come smoke some weed with us? And I didn't want to smoke weed. I just wanted you to like me. And I would have jumped off of a cliff if you would have said, you want to jump off the cliff with us? I'll be your friend. I'll like you. I'll see you. I'll hear you if you jump off this cliff with us. And so, you know, my, you know, I was acting on that addiction of being, of wanting to be wanted and 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 seen and, and, and to belong. And eventually that addiction, you know, morphed into, you know, trying to, Fill that insatiable hunger and 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 that unquenchable thirst, and you know it 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 increased into cocaine addiction, and and there came a time when it wasn't about you you wanting me or or wanting to be my friend. Now I was thoroughly 
and deeply hooked on the on the symptom on the drug itself, but the underlying cause of that never changed. You know. Well, what was the turning point uh, that clicked that made you know that you needed to find your soul? The turning point for me um, was. You think you would think that the turning point would 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 have been when my daughter was removed from me. I mean, that was definitely one of those huge experiences where I knew this, like, oh my God, I can't continue to live like this. But I continued on, you know, for two more years after she was removed from my custody. Um, the turning point that was that finally said, if you don't change. If you don't grow, if you don't heal this, you're going to die like within the next couple of months. Um, was I? I had put, I had strung together, like I think like sixty or ninety days of being clean. I was in my apartment, and all of a sudden that thing came over me, that obsession, that monster that just came over me and blocked out all reasonable thought, blocked out all rational thought. And I had to have it. I had to have one more. And I ran out of my house without my shoes on. I couldn't even take the time to put my shoes on because I had to have it. And I ran outside and I jumped into a taxi. And I hollered out to the taxi, Dunsmere and Pico, which is where the, the, the drug, which was the drug neighborhood or, or with the drug house that I frequented where it was located. And um, so the, the taxi drove for a little while, and then he pulled over on the side of the road. And he turned off the, the, the engine, and I'm like, what is he doing? And he turned around, and I saw the face of God. And he said to me, he said to me, young lady, please don't do it. Please don't don't kill yourself. Don't you don't have to live this way. And I saw in him my life and 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 my death. I knew that if I didn't listen and if I would have said keep going, take me to where I asked you to take me, that that would have been my last day of life. And you know, for a moment there was this internal struggle because I'm like I need a hit. I need it. But something in me said, go home, go home. You don't want to die. You will die today if you don't listen. And I said, okay, take me home. And he said, good girl. And he took me home, and I went to a meeting, and I told I told on myself. I was no longer interested in hiding. I told on myself, and I for help. I said, I need to get into the spiritual aspect of this program I need a spiritual experience and that was the beginning of my spiritual that was the the beginning of my conscious spiritual journey um, that has led me to where I am today wow thank goodness for that taxi cab driver thank goodness for that angel absolutely yes does he know (laughs) what he actually Accomplished. I mean, through those few words, probably not, and probably not because I didn't know him, 
you know, so no, he he doesn't, and he you know didn't know my name or anything. Um, but isn't that how it is? It's like you know, yep. there there are people that might have heard me speak or have read something from me on Facebook or or something like that, and they go on and they they live amazing lives, and I'll never hear about it. I just have to trust that I've spoken the truth and that it lands where it's supposed to land. You know. Yeah. I mean, if you spoke to a group of 500 people and you just touched one person, that is all you need to do for that day. Right. That's right. That's right. So do you <laughs> do you work with uh, younger children? I mean, yes, I do. Teenagers? Yes, I do. Yeah, and I I think that it's so important to catch them. Um, when they're young, if you can, um, because I don't think that they have to go through 20 or 30 years of not knowing that they're enough, of thinking that something's wrong with them, of thinking that they're damaged. And so I try to get in there, and I tell teenagers, you know, that there was a time when you were a baby before you learned how to be unworthy, before you learned that, before you bought that lie that you would do cartwheels in the middle of the grocery store, you know, and you would do jumping jacks in the middle of a restaurant, and you would say hi to strangers because you were just so filled with love and freedom. But somebody told you something, somebody told you a lie, that you weren't enough, that you didn't do it right, that you're ugly or that you're stupid, and you bought it. And you beca- you began the process of being conditioned to to be separated from your soul, to be separated from the truth of who you are. And I'm here to help you get reconnected and to remember that little kid within you that is so free, that doesn't care what anyone thinks of him, that is so full of love and light. That is the, that is your nature. That is who you are. And that's complete freedom. Yeah. If you can grab hold of that. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if people sometimes are so separated between the damage and the drinking that they don't understand is connected. Well, that's what I'm here to do, you know, is to support them in in understanding that. And, you know, one of the reasons that I created Soul Recovery is because the 12 steps of recovery, which are perfect principles, they are designed to get you clean. They are designed to support you in having a spiritual experience they are designed in um, helping you to clean up the wreckage of your past and look at your resentments and look at all of those thoughts and feelings that have been blocking you from your soul. So they take you to a certain level, but they are not designed to take you to the next level. And so when I got involved in metaphysical teachings, new thought, I was like, oh, here's the other piece that's missing in the 12-step programs. Because in the 12-step programs, People pull over and park in the first step of I'm powerless and my life has become unmanageable. Or they pull over and park in, you know, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity and they keep that power greater themselves than themselves outside of themselves instead of knowing that they are one with that power, which is their soul. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the 12 steps, you know, also aren't designed to really deal with that deep, those that deep, dark shame and uh, childhood wounds and that inner child. 
and metaphysical teachings aren't either. Metaphysical teachings are pretty absolute, that God is, God is life, God is love, God is that which you are, and that's it. And so, and, and if you, you know, catch a cold, or if you have some resentment, or if you have some fear, well, you must not be praying right, you must, you must not be doing this right. And so I have found the bridge, you know, between the 12 steps and metaphysical teachings to allow us this wonderful, graceful process um, from a place of deep compassion and authenticity and clarity to be able to reconnect to the truth of who we are. It sounds simple, but it's not. You know what? So. Um, yeah, practicing spiritual principles or universal principles, practicing something outside of your normal way of being, of course, it is probably the hardest thing you will ever do, um, but is the most rewarding thing you will ever do. And you don't have to do it all at once. That's why there are 12 keys, you know, that you know you take one key at a time and you do the best you can. And, you, you know, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life and watching yourself incrementally but surely recover the truth of who you are. You know, there's no race. So, yeah. It's, it's and part of your teachings is a, a observing part of all of this. I mean, you can observe yourself, go forward, and then maybe two steps and back one step is mm-hmm. observation and awareness is that part of your um, the work well if i think i heard you correctly um you're asking me if i observe myself or others well if somebody's working on themselves mm-hmm. and um they're observing themselves and they, maybe maybe absolutely they go to- absolutely well it feels like you're you're taking two steps back. But what I've come to discover, even in my own evolution, is I didn't take two steps back because even if it feels like, oh, wow, you know, I thought I had covered this, I thought that I had healed beyond this, I'm still not acting from that place that I used to act from. I'm still not mm-hmm. dealing with it from a place of unconsciousness and, and, and low self-worth that I used to act from, and I don't stay in it as long. So, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but I get that it's just another layer that is ready to be, you know, healed and, and revealed and, and refined. But you're never going to go back to where you were if you continue this process. I have clients, they're like, I can't believe I'm doing this again. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've been with you for a year, and you're not doing this again. You're not doing this the way you used to do this. Look at how much you've grown. You're reacting differently. Absolutely. Your 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 whole attitude about this is so different than it was a year ago. Yeah. So, uh, not to be hard on yourself is part Absolutely. of Absolutely. My whole, you know, the foundation of this work is compassion, 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 gentleness, self-love, compassion. Really, really doing a lot of inner child work and really just loving yourself so much and giving yourself permission to to stumble and fall and you know gently get back up you know that's very important to this work you know you have a daughter mm-hmm. and how has this 
um, awakened your daughter? Well, I think that just by seeing, you know, my recovery and being around recovery for so long herself because of of my life and and her being so open and receptive to her own healing, you know, that I've definitely seen a shift in my daughter. But I also observe and know that my daughter is still very much a wounded child. And... um I can be there and support her and love her and hold high watch for her. But her healing is her journey and her decision. You know, so as her mom, you know, and as a teacher of what I do, I can look at my daughter. I Actually, I was just telling my daughter today, I see you and I know you're hurting and I know you don't want to talk about it, but I just want you to know that I'm your mom and I love you and I'm here when you want to talk about it. But if you never want to talk about it, I see you, and I'm holding the high watch for you. Yeah. She watched you go through some of these steps. Um, is is that does that support her in magnetizing some of those those progressive steps to her as well? I'm sure that they have supported her, um, but unless you do the work yourself watching somebody else do the work. It might inspire you. It might mm-hmm. open you up to say, hey, something else is going on here, you know, besides the way I think or the or my way of being. But until you actually drink your own water, you can't quench your own thirst. So until my daughter actually does the work at that level, um, you know, she's still on her journey. And you'll never know what will spark the next step. I mean, that's right. Like you said, the ta- the taxi cab driver sparked yours, but that's right. It can just come out of the blue on from the left side or the right side, and you never know. Right. That's right. That's right. But so when the student the is ready, I'm sorry. The knowledge that you're sharing mm-hmm. um, opens the door a crack anyway so that people Ab- are absolutely. ready. Absolutely. She, she comes to hear me speak all the time. Of course, I'm always sending her books and and uh, inspiring literature and all of that. So she's in the awareness of, of this work. And when she's ready, she will start to apply it to her own life. Yeah. Wow. That is we, we haven't touched on your uh, your vocal abilities, your uh, are you uh, singing now, or are you just working on public speaking? And you know, music will always be a part of everything I do. And the blessing in this work is that when I speak, when I go around the country and I do talks and and all of that, I always incorporate the music. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah, and I I have my inspirational CD um, that's out entitled "Child Above the Sun." Um, and we're getting ready to record a new CD. Um, and one of the songs on that CD is entitled She Lives, and it talks about the inner child who, you know, thought she was damaged and broken, but she has awakened to her wholeness. And, yeah, so I think the music is very a very important part of the Soul Recovery brand, the Soul Recovery ministry, yeah. Well, this coincidence, this happened to me, uh, I, I got an email maybe day before yesterday from a person that said, 
I've just discovered uh, a new church, the Center for Spiritual Awareness in Sacramento, because I mm-hmm. live close. And she says, you don't have to come. And and I had planned on going there the weekend that you're going to be there. Oh, awesome. So that's this coming weekend, yeah. Yes. I didn't know that, that I was looking up your um, the, your events on your uh website and I saw that you're gonna be there and I thought, Oh, what a coincidence. I couldn't <laughs> oh, believe it. Right. <laughs> that is great. So I'll and meet it, you there. You'll be there. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, and I'll uh, <laughs> I'll get the word out to some of my friends, so I'll bring group with me. <laughs> oh, that is so great. I'm thrilled. <laughs> so are you you're gonna be speaking and singing there. Then. Yes, I'll be speaking, singing and doing a workshop, facilitating a workshop in the afternoon. Oh, oh, great, great, great. Yeah. So, so uh, spirit uh, touches me again. <laughs> yeah. You never know what it's going to bring. That's right. It always brings something good, though. So do you um, speak and sing at the Agape Center also? Yes, I do. Well, that's that's the center that I was raised in um, spiritually. Um, so I've been a member there for 18 years and a licensed um, spiritual therapist there for 12 years. Ooh. Yeah. Because we've interviewed both Michael and, and Ricky at two separate times. So oh, cool. We enjoy, okay. their, we enjoy their work. And I saw actually I saw uh, Ricky perform here in Sacramento. She is wonderful. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful spirit and consciousness and uh incredibly talented uh, musician and songwriter. So when you start to do this work, it's really a small world, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was uh, I went through your... You have many uh, articles and um, information on your website, and it was really touching to me to see your notes um, when you spoke at the T- Tacoma Dome uh, on yes, Dr. Uh-huh. Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. That uh, I was reading through your notes, and it was just beautiful. So, is he part of your inspiration? Absolutely. Um, in fact, one of um, my most popular songs is entitled "I Believe This Belongs to You." And I don't know if you've had an opportunity to listen to that, but uh, it's a song about forgiveness. And the very first verse says, um, "I once heard a powerful story." about a man who stood in his truth with such conviction. What was God? Oh, what is it? I forgot. That. Okay, once had a powerful story about a man who stood in his truth. I forgot, I forgot the lyrics to my own song. But it, but it talks about um, that Martin Luther King was at an event and uh, a man walked up to him and asked if he, if he were Martin Luther King. And Dr. King said yes, and the man spit on him. And uh, King wiped the handkerchief, took out his handkerchief and wiped the hate from his suit. And he gave it back to the man saying, I believe this belongs to you. And that's the first verse of, of my song, I Believe This Belongs to You. So he is an, uh, a wonderful example of once you are reconnected to your soul, once you are clear about who who you are, that your happiness, your peace of mind, your good, is independent of somebody else's negativity, of somebody else's story. And that is what we teach in soul recovery, is to is to reconnect to that which you are, and you become the driver of your experiences, independent 
of anything or anyone external to you. And Dr. King was an amazing example of that. Yeah. What's going through my mind is I'm aware of that most of the time, but every Mm -hmm. once in a while somebody will, like, make me think inferior and, I, and then I have to like step back and mm-hmm. say why did they allow that because someone's taking your power away right well well, you know I, I think part of the deeper lesson is to know no one can make you feel inferior what they can do is expose the place in you that already feels that way Ooh. but they, they don't good have thought. the power to make you feel that way good thought mm-hmm. yeah and so if there's a place within you that already feels that way, that's your invitation mm-hmm. to heal that because that's not the truth about you. So they're your teacher. Mm-hmm. They're your mirror. Yeah, because you can, right, you can step back and, and say to yourself, well, what made me feel that way? What made me think that way? You know, that's not who I really am. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a wonderful opportunity as well to do that inner child work, you know, to go within to your inner child and say, what's the matter, sweetie? Why do you feel that way? What are you feeling? And you talking to that child from a higher perspective, from a higher awareness of who you are and saying, that is so not true and you are so beloved and you are so enough and you are so worthy, you know, that that's the deep inner child work that, you know, when when those feelings come up, you know, you don't just ignore them and say, oh, you know, stop being silly. That's not the truth. You know, you talk to that child as if it, if, if it were a child that you know. Mm-hmm. Is that part of the one of the 12 keys? Absolutely. 12? A- absolutely. We do a lot of that in the sixth key. We do a lot of that inner child work in that key, yeah. So at um, your workshop, when you're in Sacramento, the workshop, uh, you're going to have, I think it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be um, touching all the key, the 12 steps or the 12 keys? The um, workshop that I'll be doing in Sacramento is Soul Recovery's 12 Keys, um, uh, 12 keys to Abundant Living. And oh. so while it's different um, from, you know, looking at dependency and, 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 addi- and addiction, as talked about in, in Soul Recovery, is definitely looking at the addiction to not accepting your highest good and not accepting your prosperity. And prosperity is not just about money. It's Prosperity is well-beingness in every area of your life. So that is what we're going to be dealing with. Well, that's a good topic. Very good. <laughs> that, can, <laughs> that touches everyone. Could you share um, some moments um, that uh, where you began to be a celebrated vocalist for Rod Stewart and Bette Midler and and, uh, the rest of the people that you've been with? Maybe announce um, some outstanding moments. Yeah. Um, Well, in order for me to... uh, be hired by Rod Stewart and Bette Midler and all of those folks, I had to have a vision before that vision manifested. And I often tell people, you know, when I was a little girl, you know, I used to use a a hairbrush pretending that it was a microphone 
in my backyard singing to my adoring fans, which were the trees <laughs> in my in in my backyard. And I remember doing that every single day. I mean, that was what I did when I was a kid. And um, little did I know that I was creating my future because that, you know, that is what soul recovery is about as well, is about connecting to that part of you that is that is the highest vision for your life and you imagining your life from that place. And, you know, when I became an adult and, I, you know, after 10 years of sobriety, you know, I was ready to put that vision into action. And um, I continue, I remember, you know, when Rod Stewart, um, when his uh, record came out, have I told you lately that I love you? And I was an adult and sober, and I'd be standing in the mirror, you know, pretending that I was singing with him, have I told you lately that I love you? And so imagine the magic when I was actually sitting on a stool next to him at Madison Square Garden singing with him, have I told you lately that I love you? And there were so many times when I'd be standing on those stages looking out at tens of thousands of people just in awe at what had happened in my life. Yeah. Did you have to pinch yourself? <laughs> you know, in a way, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, is like, you know, it was pretty surreal, you know. Or, you know, sitting in um, the green room with Bette Midler rehearsing a duet with her when, you know, a month prior to that, I hadn't been working with her. But I remember in my car one time on listening to her on the radio, saying, just feeling something beyond the normal fan kind of thing. It wasn't even about being a fan. I never bought any of Bette's music. But I heard her on the radio, and I said, I'm going to know her. I like that lady. And I remember when I got the call, I hadn't even gone out for an audition. I got the call from her musical director saying, how much would you charge us to go on tour with Bette Midler? Um, So my life in that way... I know that it appears to be magical, but it's not. It, it, it's, it's, it's a direct result of my imagining and visioning what it is that I desire and then cooperating with that imagination, you know, by doing the things that, the, the right action in conjunction with that imagination and allowing the universe to do the rest. That's so well put. I mean, a lot of people imagine daily about things and they'll have their image boards up but if you don't take action then it doesn't hold absolutely yeah so that's probably part of what you're going to be teaching next Sunday. yeah that's what i'll that's that's what i'll be teaching um on sunday and the foundation to to my prosperity courses is getting reconnected to your soul, getting reconnected to this presence and power within yourself that doesn't withhold anything from you, that is prosperity, that is all good itself. And, um, you know, it is from that place that you can do the affirmations. It is from that place that you can claim what it is that you want. You know, so that's very important. And because I've demonstrated this in my life over and over and over again, I'm just so honored that I get to teach my own lessons. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? we're honored to have you as a teacher, as a guest on our show. I mean, it's it's um, you're a 
prime example of what can happen when somebody connects with their soul. That's right. That's right. It's so important. It's so lovely. It's so well, beautiful. Yeah. It's it's just, you know, imagining those paths, those paths to creating, I you know, when you got to notice that you were going to be with the Barbara Streisand or Beyonce, mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you you probably went, oh, my goodness, what have I done? This is awesome, you know. Oh, absolutely. Like being, yeah. Yeah. To pull in the energy and to feel yeah. it and um, to know that, you know, it's almost as if you can ima- if you can imagine it, then go for it. You know what I mean? It's like pulling in. Well, that well, energy. you know that thing. You know what you can conceive. You can what you what you conceive. You can achieve. Uh-huh. You know, um, but most people are so afraid, are so disconnected from their from the truth of who they are that they're afraid to even imagine. They don't even dare to dream. Because they are stuck in that feel, those feelings of that can never happen for me. I'm unworthy. I'm undeserving. And so, soul recovery gets you to a place where you can dream, and you can act on those dreams. So it's the action step. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So that's you know after your imagination, after you visualize, you know, the next step is action. Absolutely. Like a movie. Absolutely, yeah. We can paint our own palette. Mm-hmm. You need a song saying, step one foot in front of the other. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So out of all of your experiences, um, from singing with some famous person to being um, interviewed by a famous person, which one stands out in your mind the most? Hmm. God, there's been like so many of them. I would think one 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 of my experiences that I've 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 never forgotten, as far as uh, from the music standpoint, was when um, I was performing with Rod Stewart um, at this famous castle in Scotland, and I don't remember the name of the castle, but it was an outdoor concert, and so we're on the stage and there are tens of thousands of people in front of us and it's at night and the castle where the castle is surrounding us and it's all lit up in different colors greens and pinks and blues and it was just incredibly like surreal and magical and then after the show we were led into this hall with Rod with these beautiful paintings on the ceiling. And as we're walking in, you know, there's about 300 people there, you know, giving us a standing ovation as we are escorted to our table to eat dinner. And um, it was just an awesome, awesome experience. And I think on a more personal note, as a speaker, when I stood in front of 3,000 people at the Tacoma Dome uh, two years ago, to do the keynote address on forgiveness on Martin Luther King Day. Mm. I, you know, I, I just kind of had a hunch that you were going to speak of that, but um, I'm glad you did <laughs> because it because just reading your notes, it just, I thought, oh, you must have, during that speech touched so many hearts. 
it was quite it was quite a moment and uh quite a growth spurt for me too you know i was so nervous cuz you know that was my biggest speaking engagement and um i had my notes and i was practicing my notes and i was going to take my notes up there with me and all of that and um i remember right before they called me i was so nervous i was clutching my notes and they called my name and there was something within me that said, you don't need your notes. And I left them on the chair. Yes. And I went up and it was like the universe just took over. And so that was a lesson for me that when you are reconnected to your soul through contemplation, meditation, and then you prepare properly for what it is that you are about to do, that you can then let go. And allow it to just flow through you. My my question was going to be, uh, how often did you refer to your notes? And you answered that you didn't at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for me, um, referring to my notes during a talk kind of throws me off. It takes me out of my connection with you. Right. Some people do that very well, seamlessly. That hasn't been my experience. My experience is I want to I want to have embodied my talk before I even step on the stage. I know you. Uh, if you're looking at your notes, you lose contact with mm-hmm. the heart of the audience. I would say. Mm-hmm. 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 But some people do that really well and don't. You know, I've seen a couple of people do that. You know, refer to their notes and just t- glance down and don't. But it's like. You know, I don't know if they're using that as a crutch or not because I don't see how you can glance down and find your <laughs> find your place. But <laughs> you know, um, so it's important for me to really embody what it is that I want to talk about, so that even if it goes out of sequence, I'm clear about where I am, and I'm now just allowing the creativity to come through me. You know, um, it's like in, embedding the information as you write. I mean, or yeah. you type out your notes. That information is being embedded in your your mind, so it's just like a reference that you can just uh-huh, pull from uh-huh, when you're uh-huh. speaking from your heart. Uh-huh. That's perfect. You know, yeah. I was just thinking, you know, is it, I was going to say, what kept you going in the moments when you thought that things were going to be off balance? I'm thinking reconnecting to your soul, and you were just talking about it, and I'm going, oh, yeah, just reconnecting to really your purpose and yeah, um, you know. So that that must be an ongoing aspect, actually, for everyone. Absolutely, you know. I um, I'm I'm even in a deepening process now, personally, of uh, going deeper, you know, in 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 meditation and you know making sure that that's the priority of my day. Because that reconnects me, that that connects me to my source, my soul, my my beingness, and it releases the inner splendor without me having to effort and make it happen. Instead of making it happen, it it allows me to make it welcome, you know, and to know that it is already done. And um, so, I practice everything in my book. I practice in my life consistently. Well, they say practice makes perfect, but that really takes commitment. So 
working on yourself really takes commitment. Mhm. Mhm. Tell me what are what of the twelve steps um, fell in line on the page when you? I mean, and you went, "Oh my goodness, this is it!" I mean, it was like so exciting when you found this twelve step. Are you talking about the 12 steps or the 12 keys? Yeah. 12 well, the 12 keys. keys. I'm sorry. 12 keys. Well, by the time I wrote the 12 keys, I was already pretty excited about all of them in, 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 in the way that it was coming through me to teach them, you know, teaching people um, that powerlessness is a wonderful place to start because it gives you humility and an openness that you don't have otherwise but that it was never intended for you to pull over and park there it was intended to open you up and surrender you to the point to where you could connect to the real power your soul the truth of who you are and that's very exciting to me to to give people a different idea and a different understanding of the nature of the universe, God, spirit, life, whatever you call it, to watch them and encourage them to put aside all of their religious upbringing beliefs, not to ever, you know, judge their beliefs or anything like that, but just saying, you know, can you just put that aside just for a moment and let's let's talk about the nature of the universe as I understand it, which is omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. You know, and breaking that down for them and seeing them light up and get it when they get, oh, my God, I'm really one with this power. It's really, like, right here, that close. I don't have to work that hard for it. It's it's just my natural way of, it's my, it's my identity, it's my natural way of being. I mean, that's huge. Now, is soul and purpose the same thing? Well, absolutely, because the soul is, you know, the truth of who you are, and embedded in that is your purpose and the way to fulfill your purpose. So when you seek that first, when you connect with that, it will inform you of everything that is. It is your wholeness. It is your clarity. It is your truth. And having it is the, the ability to recognize the truth. Huh? And having the ability to recognize the truth. Well, when you're connected, you do have the ability to recognize your truth because you're in touch with your intuition. And so you are able to discern, you know, between, you know, your five sense sense reasoning and what's really real. And when you are connected, I mean, I'm just speaking from Sorry? a personal experience. I'm speaking from a personal um, example, but when I am, in, you know, connected to my intuition, mm-hmm. and I listen to it, it makes my life magical. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I think the difference is, if your decision is fear-based and trying to protect yourself based, then you know that that's not your intuition because your intuition is never about that. Your intuition is based on a win-win for all concerned. And it's and it's and it's loving and it and you know it might be outside of your comfort zone, 
because it knows that everything's going to be magical and more, and more than okay, right? Right. This what I seek is to have more and more of that. Well, <laughs> meditation. You know the twelve keys. Uh, turning your life over to the care of this this inner power. Uh, doing forgiveness work, and you know all the stuff that the twelve keys talk about your inner child work. That supports you in in embodying that experience, so that you will have more and more of those experiences. In your life, um, you talked about the taxi cab driver, but is there another, when you were going from recovery and you mastered that, um, what was the next enlightenment that came to you or something that hit you in the face and said, aha, that's where I'm going next? That I was one with God, you know, Um being based, raised a Baptist minister's daughter, that was always such an abstract idea for me. And when I had that realization, it changed everything. You know? Yeah. It certainly does. Mm-hmm. You know, when I realized I didn't have to beg and beseech this power to give me my good, that it was the good itself and that it was it was within me, it was individualized within me, it makes a huge difference in how you live your life. And that and how much power you have or everybody, everything, every thought touches everyone. Mhm. Mhm. So if people would think that way, our world would be much more loving. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like reclaiming <laughs> reclaiming your soul and saying, wow, let's go for it. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Getting excited about life. And I, I it, you know what? I Watching you on the videos and just, you know, seeing you capturing that, that essence and bringing it forth to others. And people can see this. This is just tremendous. Yeah. Um, you know, what a gift, you know, to reclaim what you know this energy feels right and feels good within you to uh to be there. People forget in their walk. Mhm. In their walk of every day. Yeah, we tend to get wrapped up in everyday life and yeah. forget forgets the most important part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are there any videos of your concerts uh, as an example with uh Rod Stewart or Bette Midler? Or do you have any of the uh, videos of that, or well, we just DVD? added a vid- yeah, we just added a vid- video clip of my concert with Rod Stewart on my media kit, um, which I don't know if that's the one you received of my concert with him at Albert Hall. Uh, no, we didn't, but that's okay. Yeah. We were mainly what we received is about your book. Okay, all right. So, so. Um, I'm going to, after this interview, go watch it. Okay. <laughs> See if I can find it. <laughs> okay. Do you have a last message you want to share with us, Esther? Well, just to reiterate um, to the listeners that there's nothing broken about you and there's nothing to be ashamed of. 
that whatever your journey has been has been based on a false belief that you are not one with something that is amazing and beautiful and whole. And that's not your fault. But now you have an opportunity to reconnect to your wholeness. And I hope that you accept that divine invitation because you are indeed worth it. Oh, that's beautiful. And we want to remind everybody that that's uh, close to the Sacramento area that you're going to be at the Center for Spiritual Awareness in Sacramento um, at 11 a.m., and I think your workshop is at 3 p.m. Yes. And uh, we thank you so much for being with us today. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much and for having me. My website, yes. Please let me just share this yes, as well. You can order the book. Uh, the The book is going to be officially released by Hay House um, uh, next week, June seventh. But you can pre-order the book at, at a reduced uh, rate, reduced price at Amazon.com. So just go to Amazon.com, go and uh, click on Soul Recovery um, to find out more information about my work. You can go to www.soulrecovery.org and EstherNicholson.com, and that's E-S-T-E-R-N-I-C-H-O-L-S-O-N.com. Very good. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank We've you. enjoyed having you with us so much. Take care. Thank you so and, much. And, uh, Bless me. Paul, I'll, I'll, Paul will probably see you next uh, uh, this weekend. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Look forward to it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.